It's time for Inside the Gamecocks, the show with Phil Mullinax and J.C. Sherbert. So how many of you would say you speak English fairly well, but with some difficulty? Fat, drunk, and stupid is no way to go through life, son. You play to win the game. Now, let's take it away, J.C. and Phil. Well, JC has apparently muted himself, man. We can't hear you. You're just going on. It's probably very prophetic, whatever it is that you're saying. Inside the game, guys, the show. JC Sherbert here with you. Quite a morning I've had. And we're all struggling uh, this morning, man. Yeah, it's all right. JC Sherbert and Phil Mullinax here. Um, the whole house is sick, right? <laughs> and this morning, in case, in case you guys uh, were missing the morning monologue, uh, that's because it was the first day of school. Uh, the fiance's been sick uh, for about six days, so I, I knew I was going to get it at some point, and um, I got it <laughs> this morning. And the oldest kid—it's the first day of eleventh grade for him, and uh, and his birthday, and he's he's out sick today. Uh, oh, birthday so, too, man! That stinks. Yeah, sucks. Yeah, Bahunkus. But anyway. Uh, I'm powering through here, folks. Keith Allset from Lot on the Gamecocks podcast will join us first hour. Got lots of topics to get to. Uh, as always, your interaction on the Nana's Porch chat line or chat box. I got to quit calling it a chat line. It's a box, right? Right. It's a chat box, right? Uh, and uh, also the uh, I Help Consulting mailbag. Got several emails and tweets from you. If you want to get in on the mailbag, email inside the Gamecocks at gmail.com or tweet to at the Big Spur Pod. Uh, you can also always stream this on Twitter, uh, Facebook, and YouTube. We certainly appreciate uh, everybody jumping in on the stream. Uh, it makes our jobs a, a lot more fun. Uh, hour number one, as always, <laughs> is brought to you by Cindy Searfoss, realtor, Caldwell Banker Kane in the upstate. Uh, we certainly appreciate Cindy and her sponsorship. Uh, my understanding is she's got a new project coming up pretty soon that you guys are going to be made aware of, obviously. Uh, and so that's very exciting. Uh, to me on her end. Um, practice rolls on, Phil. Uh, and I I'm curious, uh, and I want to get our, our listeners' take on this too, uh, because I've, uh, you know, I I've covered all of a fall camp before uh, mm -hmm. at Carolina uh, when I lived in Columbia and Spur, had them open all the time, and I would go out for every practice in the heat. And I mean, it was a – it's a challenge. By the time you got to like week three, you're like, I don't want to be outside. <laughs> Done. This is this is yeah, ridiculous. I'm yeah, so much for fall. <laughs> I mean, because I think I'm learning nothing. Everybody's like ready to go play a game, and it's still ten days away, and you're just like, eh. Um, and everybody's always excited for the start of practice, and and you can you can see our numbers uh, on thebigspur.com in terms of the beginning of practice content and then like that, you know, we're not playing this week, but the next content, you know, yeah. <laughs> where you start kind of get top to, to get topical. The depth charts pretty much been figured it out. Uh, you're waiting on nagging injuries. You know, I, I'm sure everybody's going to keep uh, uh, asking about Kai Kroger uh, over and over and over again. Uh, you know, and, and that's that's legit. I mean, I think that's the most serious injury right now on the team, unless there's something out there that we don't know about. And, and I think one of the big keys to fall apart practice and camp is to get through it healthy, right? Um, yeah, exactly. That's probably the most important thing, right? Uh, and so, uh, you know, so, so my question is to, uh, for our, our, our listeners out there, at what point do you hit the preseason wall and you're like, 
hey, man, I'm ready for the games to start. I, I, I'm kind of tuning out practice reports at this point. Uh, nothing good's happening. You know, I, 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 I'm ready for it to kick off. Is it? Is it? To me, it's before game week because game week, you're like, oh, game week is here. Right. Uh, and, uh, so, uh, you know, you're like, oh, it's Monday. You go through the routine, finally a game this weekend, game, game, game. It's like Christmas Eve the night before, at least this for me, uh, and, and you're ready to roll. Uh, so my thing is, I think I hit that wall probably 10 to 15 days out and we're oh, yeah. closing in mm-hmm. on 15. Not that I don't care and I won't be talking about it and cover and, you know, mentioning it on the show or reporting everything, uh, that we need to report here and talking about everything we need to talk about. But I think that's, you know, professionally and personally, I think that's when I sort of hit that wall. And I'm like, let's get this show on the road uh, because it's uh, it's one of those things where, uh, you know, we have preseason NFL football. Everybody's happy that first preseason game. And then by the time that's over, you're like, well, not another preseason game. Right. You know, it's like this. Uh, you're really know. not seeing anything there. You know, I mean, you know, that last yeah. game. Yeah. You're, you're just like, ah, oh, what well, great. There, there is football on the television. They are playing yeah. a game with 20 guys um, that are about to get cut. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> some people, some people are asking about uh, the mic and all that. Uh, some background noise. I, I think I'm pretty much still. So I don't know what's uh, cap happening in the background. Let me see if I can maybe tighten this a little bit and maybe it goes away. I don't know. Uh, but no, I'm not hitting the mic today. Now I have done that in the past. <laughs> uh, you know, I'm goofy and clumsy and all that good stuff. So uh, we'll do that. So we'll talk to Keith about uh, a lot of different game cut topics today. Recruiting certainly is a hot topic. Uh, Xavier McLeod continues to scare everybody, uh, I think. And we, we've talked about Xavier a whole lot here. Uh, got the poll question up on thebigspur.com, also on Twitter. Uh, it's an interesting poll. So who will lead the Gamecocks in rushing touchdowns this year, Phil? Uh, Marshawn Lloyd, Christian Beal Smith. I think I put Rashad Amos on it, Jaheim Bell, mm-hmm. uh, Juju McDowell. And then on Twitter, they won't give you but four options, right? Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah they're not a surprise there. Uh, but it's uh, – so I had to go with other on Twitter. Okay, so so other <laughs> – uh, was getting some votes. I, I, I don't know. You know, I, I sat there and said, that's a good trivia or, or poll question because I, I don't know the gun to my head. I can answer it. I, I, I think Marshawn Lloyd. Uh, I kind of want it to be Marshawn, you know, yeah. you, you, you'd like to see that unfold that way. But I mean, you know, hey, Juju and Jaheim may have something to say about that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I agree. And, and then there's, you know, I also know that Marcus Satterfield likes to throw it in the red zone a lot, or at least he did last year. So there's a lot of short passing touchdowns, and those aren't really rushing touchdowns. Um, you know, so so how how many do you get to that kind of thing uh, if you're one of the running backs? Christian Bill Smith, I think, could also be a touchdown maker because of the way he hits the hole hard. Um, actually, somebody on the Big Spur mentioned that. They said uh, – you know, hey, Christian Bill Smith, we think, you know, I think he's going to use short yardage, whatever. Uh, I think so, too. I think Rashad Amos as well. Um, uh, you know, South Carolina has to score touchdowns in the red zone this year. Uh, and, and I think that's pretty obvious. Uh, obviously, after the first two drives of the scrimmage the other day, they didn't end in touchdowns. So that's a goal for them to work toward. Um, you know, so so I think by any means necessary, Phil, you know, you figure it out, you know, whether it's a package, 
uh, or what. So I, uh, you know, a package uh, for Amos or a bigger back or Christian Bill Smith, or they go back to the old T formation that Holtz used to run or (laughs) (laughs) however they do it. uh, I I think that that's, uh, it just has to be done. I mean, I, I think Bell could be a guy in short yardage rushing situations. Uh, Bill Smith uh, is a guy that uh, certainly people have mentioned, like I said, you, you know, it's uh, Marshawn Lloyd's the obvious choice. Juju McDowell is a touchdown waiting to happen. I think in a lot of ways, Oh yeah, uh, mm-hmm. based on what he's shown, I mean, he's got to get more consistent like everybody else and has to get blocking like everybody else, but he can make things happen. So a uh, tough poll question. We've already got some, um, <laughs> Already got some uh, questions and comments on it, so that's pretty pretty awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, both on Twitter and in the uh, IL Consulting uh, mailbag. So get in on that, and we'll we'll keep talking about it. Uh, also, the Nana's Porch chat room. Uh, Cartwright comes in and says, "What's up?" Um, the dude dudes are the rings on JC's headphone cord contacting something close to the mic. Yeah, that's probably what it was, Kalinda. I agree with you there. Uh, Cartwright comes into the chat box. Um, you know, yeah, and I got to be careful on that because it, it may be hitting this wire. I, I don't know. I need, I need to tape this down, right? Oh, yeah. Uh, so, because, yeah, wires you know, create sound. Yeah. And mm-hmm. Clint, Clint said he'd like to see Bell get some end around plays. I, you know, I agree, Clint. That, uh, like the first play of the bowl game, you know, where they mm-hmm. handed it to him, it's kind of outside zone ish type of, type of play. I like that. I like that a whole lot. So, Throw him in there as a fullback and just dive it in. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he, he's tough enough. I mean, spring game of 2021, he he did that. They got inside. Mm-hmm. I think a bunch of their running backs were hurt. and they got. I think it was just White and Bell out there, and he got inside, and they, they did a little fullback dive to him. So, you know, it's an interesting thing because, you know, who will end up with the numbers uh, at the end of the day? Yeah, maybe they get down there to do a bunch of quarterback sneaks, and Rattler leads, leads the lead rushing touchdowns. <laughs> Uh, so, so who knows what exactly uh, will happen there uh, when we get to forward more towards the season? Ah, uh, okay. So we had some news come in. Um, yeah, Brandon says uh, Bell had a touchdown call back uh, out of the fullback dive in the EIU game. Yeah, he mm-hmm. was gone. Uh, yeah. or, or was that the shorter one? I mean, and then he had like a sixty-seven yarder called back against EIU too. Poor guy. <laughs> uh, otherwise, he would have led. I think he would have led the team in rushing in uh, total touchdowns. Mm-hmm. Maybe he did lead them. I, I have to go. Look. I don't have the stats in front of me. Um, so we did have some breaking news uh, while we were right when we got on here, and that's that's all good because we talk football a lot here. We'll talk a little basketball right now. The non-conference schedule is always oh, wow. exciting and has been released, and uh it's interesting. <laughs> I'll, I'll say it's interesting. So um, college basketball to me, Phil starts way too early. In my opinion, I think that it's uh, yeah. the, the, the too many November games. They don't have as many December games. They used to uh, right when you're really starting to care. Uh, and I get that because the players need a break over Christmas and all, but I mean, man, I remember some of my earliest memories were, going to some of these holiday tournaments with my dad, Gamecock basketball, you know, oh, yeah. one in New Orleans, one in Miami. Uh, I just don't do that anymore. You just take a long break before Christmas, get ready for the, the, uh, the daggum conference season. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, so uh, here we go. So it's um, the conference, uh, not conference schedule. 
So Mars Hill, uh, which is coached by former Gamecock Larry Davis, uh, is uh, the exhibition. They're on the docket first on November 2nd. Season opener is against South Carolina State on November 7th. Then how about this? November 11th, Clemson. So there'll be a Clemson-South Carolina basketball game before the Clemson-Carolina football game this year, uh, which is a little different. But um, uh, I think they've been kind of talking back and forth between the two schools from what Whittle reported uh, and said that they're trying to kind of get a date where they get better attendance for that game. Um, I mean, Carolina heads to the Charleston Classic and plays Colorado State. Uh, lots of people wanted Nico Medved and they wanted to talk about Nico Medved, the Colorado State head coach, when the Gamecocks had an opening. So that'll be interesting. I think Furman's in that tournament. Charleston's in that tournament. Virginia Tech, if I'm not mistaken, is in that tournament. Uh, so, so you got a lot of coaches out there that have been kind of fan favorites around here with, uh, you know, the, the coach at, at Bob Ritchie at Furman and Mike Young, who's at Virginia Tech, who used to be at Wofford. Uh, you got uh, Nico Medved. I mean, you've got a lot of coaches in this thing that uh, certainly uh, have been topics of conversation uh, mm-hmm. around South Carolina. Uh, 25th, USC Upstate. The Gamecocks then go back-to-back trips to Washington, D.C., uh, at George Washington and at Georgetown. Uh, and then they come, they have an eight-day break, I guess, for exams, come back with Presbyterian, go to UAB. Uh, UAB came to Columbia last year. Then this is an interesting game, Phil, up in Greenville. That's right. Yep, one I'm planning on attending. Yeah, East Carolina mm-hmm. at the at the at the well. The well. Gamecocks have never lost a game there. They're three and zero. No, that's right. Three and zero all time <laughs> at the well in men's basketball. The two NCAA tournament games. They've beaten Marquette, Duke, and Clemson. So quality. <laughs> uh, hopefully, they can take down the ECU Pirates <laughs> in, in, in a neutral side game. Five days later, Western Kentucky, the Hilltoppers, Larry Eustachie's not Larry. Stacey, Rick Stansberry, uh, his team comes in, uh, and then they play Eastern Michigan. The uh, I don't, I don't, I don't know exactly what kind of season Eastern Michigan had last year on December thirtieth, and then it's off to the SEC. So I don't think this is a overly ridiculous, tough schedule. Um, I think a lot if you if you largely base it on performance last year, obviously Georgetown was awful, or George Washington was awful, East Carolina was awful. Presbyterian, I don't, I don't know. USC Upstate was bad. Yeah. Clemson was just so-so. SC State, um, but you know, there, there's also the chance that I mean, how long is Georgetown really going to stay down? <laughs> I mean, they they've recruited pretty well. You know, just last year was a bad year. Um, so you got GW, uh, and you got Georgetown, the, the DC split there. Uh, and in this Charleston Classic, I think there's an opportunity for the Gamecocks to pick up some quality wins if if it comes to that, if they need that. Uh, and we all have, uh, for a few years now, since the Gamecocks have been on the bubble, uh, at least for a little bit, not in the end, but at least for a little bit, we all kind of look at the net rankings and stuff like that. So I understand, like, uh, those of you out there that are like, huh, I don't, you know, this 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 home schedule is a little bit donkey. <laughs> as far as like you know, there's who do who do you get up for? We Clemson, obviously. That's November 11th, though. And then uh, I guess you know you, you go to Charleston or Greenville and, and get in your your game cop basketball. Yeah, right? Yeah, they get the uh, good ones. Yeah, <laughs> the good ones. So uh, that's the non-conference schedule. Of course, Gamecocks uh, welcome Lamont Paris in as their head coach and Gigi Jackson, uh, five-star guy, uh, recruit, obviously um, a big-time addition. 
to that program, um, you know, one of the top recruits in school history. So, you know, maybe maybe they're not making it as, as difficult uh, because they have so many new faces. And then, you know, you, you kind of hope some of these teams that maybe if you beat them in the non-conference, that they can help you out and be better than expected. Uh, and then the SEC is a gauntlet again this year. Um, so that's kind of, the, I, I guess, the scheduling philosophy here. Uh, and, you know, we've seen it before, though. We've seen coaches uh, Darren Horn and Frank Martin both have really good years, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, especially Darren Horn's first year and strength of schedule in the non-conference was garbage. And so they, they only made the NIT. So that's – I understand those that are kind of like, I wish you were playing some tougher teams. Yeah, and, and I'm sure that uh, uh, everybody feels that way uh, as well. Well, you just um, have to hope that you're beating the teams, you know, that don't look very tough at the beginning and then pull for them the rest of the season. <laughs> you yeah. Know, that's why, yeah, just please, y'all, win the rest of your games, please. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Chris says something on Rucker. Any word on Rucker's injury? Have not heard uh, anything on that front right mm-hmm. now. Um, should probably sort of look it up, I guess, but I haven't. Uh, in fact, I, I don't even see anything about uh, an injury to Rucker, but uh, yeah, I was just uh, trying to find it. I don't see any anything about it. Mm. Um, so maybe he was one of the ones that sat out, but I haven't heard anything uh, crazy on him. Um, did talk with a pretty good source last night uh, about this, the general feelings around the team. And I'm just going to tell you this, they're all excited. <laughs> uh, got some more, uh, you know, yesterday I was sort of talking about the defense and the scrimmage and, Pass rushing, I was kind of bemoaning the pass rush a little bit, but you know, after checking with some other people, they were like, "Oh, the defense was way way ahead in the scrimmage." Uh, it wasn't anything that the offense was doing wrong. They're like, "Look, South Carolina's going to have a good defense this year, really good," yeah. which I think I think is encouraging because you start talking about the keys filled in the first three games of the season. I, I think stopping the run in those games and, and playing good defense, uh, considering. You know, one's on the road against the top 20 team. Uh, one's against one of the best offenses in the country in Georgia State. And then Georgia comes in. Uh, you know, chances of the Gamecocks pulling the upset over the Bulldogs if they get gashed in the run game. Uh, or or if they're throwing it down the field of those gigantic tight ends. They, they lost a receiver the other day, Arian Smith, who will miss the Carolina game. I think he's Arian Smith's his name. Um, but they got all his tight ends. And so – you know, your chances of beating them, if you're not really good on defense, uh, are, are slim. Very uh, slim, I, yeah. I think, you know, I just – because they're going to run it right through you and, you know, end up uh, end up killing it, you know, uh, and, and keeping the ball for a long time, keeping Rattler off the field, that type of thing. But, uh, yeah, just talking to some people last night, excitement is through the roof, as you can imagine. Um, I'll tell you guys, I, I think really the country – you know, and I hesitate to say this because it's like, ah, you know, they go seven and six. Oh, whatever, JC, blah, 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 blah. I just don't know that the country really kind of has looked closely at the Gamecocks. Uh, I think that you hear all these kind of excuses out there about uh, Rattler, oh, what's he going to do with less talent? You know, it, it's kind of like the whole Muschamp couldn't win at Florida, therefore he can't win at South Carolina thing, which drives me crazy. Uh, a lot of people like cling to that, like you know, they wrote the first verse of the Bible by saying it, um, which is pretty <laughs> obvious. Uh, uh, you know, the reasons he did not win at Carolina were 
dramatically different than why he didn't win at Florida, blah, blah, blah. Uh, I would also remind everyone that there's been approximately uh, two coaches that have won big at Florida in their hundred and something year history of football. That's right. Uh, yeah. And that was uh, then those, those two are in the hall of fame. So I, I don't know where the Florida job ends up getting, you know, ends up being this, uh, uh, this layup, you know, I think we could ask Billy Napier about how easy or difficult that job is. Um, right. and they opened a really pretty new, uh, pretty, uh, pretty, it's pretty, it's a pretty building, uh, an expensive new facility too, uh, down there, just like the game. It looks a lot like Carolina's, uh, the, the long operations building. So, uh, hats off to the Gators, but uh, I, I, I never bought that. So it's kind of like, well, Rattler struggled at Oklahoma with more talent. Uh, and, and the only thing I'll concede here, and, and look, I'm not, I'm not matching up the 2021 Sooners with the 2022 Gamecocks player by player and going, oh, he's better, he's better, he's better, he's better. I will concede that they have, they have more offensive talent. You know, probably top to bottom, more guys that will play in the NFL eventually on that team last year in Norman. Okay, I'm, I'm admitting that. However, <laughs> I don't think it's night and day. You know, the the one thing that, that's going to be more challenging at South Carolina than Oklahoma uh, are the defenses Spencer Rattler faces, um, week in, week out. They don't have defenses like that in the Big Twelve. Uh, Oklahoma State, pretty good defense last year. I think the Sooners hung 33 on them. <laughs> you know, uh, I think Notre Dame scored, went up and down the field, and then they came back and beat them in the Fiesta Bowl. And Oklahoma State, their defense was good enough to where their D coordinator got hired as Ohio State's next D coordinator. So it was a pretty good year on defense for them. And they still, you know, that was the, the gold standard in that league. And, you know, we've seen it before. You mentioned – I mentioned George's offense. If you're not stopping the run, you're not going to beat them. And I remember the Rose Bowl game a couple of years ago, Georgia and Oklahoma, Phil, where, yeah, Oklahoma did a good job against Georgia's defense and made plays and all that good stuff, but they absolutely could not stop the Bulldogs. <laughs> and it, it was like, yeah. it was like a, fra- a, fra- a freaking freight train, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's the thing there. No disrespect. I, I think that if you're talking about like, and uh, we're going to get into some unfair narratives about Spencer Rattler, uh, in the second hour, we talk a lot, a lot of Rattler today. But I think if you're looking uh, for something that you go, oh, well, th- this is where it's going to be different here. Besides scheme, uh, besides supporting cast, uh, all that good stuff, uh, it's the defenses he's going to face week in and week out. I mean, you're talking. I mean, even Vanderbilt has uh, players, athletes on defense. Uh, you know, and and you have uh, Clemson on the schedule every year. They're they're talking like their defense up there could be historically good this year. Uh, and they, they've certainly gotten some players back from injury. They've got some of their more talented players sort of coming into their own. Um, you know, they got a new D coordinator. You got to figure that out. But, uh, yeah. you know, so you throw Clemson on top of it. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, uh, you know, so you're, you're facing some of the very best defenses in the country. Yeah, it's a um, gauntlet for sure. It's a gauntlet for sure. Week, week in and week out, uh, as far as uh, as far as that goes. So, once again, the poll: who will lead the Gamecocks in rushing touchdowns in twenty twenty two? So far, on Big Spur, we have fifty five percent in for Marshawn Lloyd, twenty nine percent for Christian Bill Smith, Juju McDowell at seven point four, Amos at three point seven, Bell at three point seven, other at zero. 
Nobody votes for other. Nobody's voting for other. <laughs> other. Two just told me how to walk my way. <laughs> All right, man. That's mother. My bad. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm trying to get through this, folks. I mean, like I said, everybody's sick. I'm sitting here with a fever, but uh, after the power outage BS last weekend, I'm like powered through. I don't care unless I'm unless I'm like sedated in the hospital. Uh, we're doing this show <laughs> every yeah, every single day <laughs> this right. week, so. <laughs> uh, you guys can be pretty happy about that. Got some great guests lined up. I wanted to thank Sawyer Nicks for coming on yesterday. We're, we're going to have Sawyer on every week. He's going to do a giveaway um, for you guys, uh, some gear or something. And uh, there'll be some interaction and stuff. And he's going to do mental keys to the game every week, uh, which I think is huge. Uh, you know, nobody – I think that's a good thing to do, like, on a Tuesday – you know, when you're talking about the game, all right, what are the mental keys to the game? Okay, and then we're going to break down all the physical matchups and all this other stuff. Sawyer does a really good job with that and um, certainly uh, is uh, – we're glad that he's going to join us uh, during football season. So uh, that's uh, that's an exciting thing uh, for me at least. Um, okay. We're going to go back to the Nanosports chat box. Uh, and Clint makes a – makes a comment about the non-conference basketball schedule. Says, not super exciting. Maybe a good thing for this team. Exciting. <laughs> People are dying out there. <laughs> exciting is not a word I would use. Hey, you, you know what my favorite line in Independence Day is? What's uh, that? <laughs> um, right at the beginning, Robert Loggia, who's one of my favorite actors of all time. I uh, love Robert Loggia, yes. And he picks up the phone. He's like, give me the Secretary of Defense. Then wake him. Then wake him. Yeah, that's right. Then wake him. Then wake him. Wake him. Uh, you know, my, my favorite uh, line from Dumb and Dumber is, all right, guys, big gulps, huh? Okay. <laughs> um, it's just subtle. So Beamer mentioned in his interview that Rucker had a minor injury, which is why he said uh, the scrimmage. Yeah, that's uh, – he was with that other group. So mm -hmm. – um, well, on the basketball front, who sets that? Is that Lamont Paris? Is he the one like setting that? Yeah. Or, you know, kind of in conjunction with. Yeah. Obviously, it takes two to tango, right? <laughs> I like, I like football. Like, football scheduled so far in advance. Yeah. The the athletics department, the athletic director, usually the the uh, the person that's assigned uh, the sport. Mm -hmm. uh, I know Charles Waddell when Spurrier was there was sort of the scheduling guy. Um, and it's because they're so far advanced. You, you don't know who's going to be the coach there. I mean, there's South Carolina's supposed to play Virginia Tech in 2033 and 34. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, I'm going to take my old bones to Blacksburg then, you know, <laughs> you know, and, and see Hokie Land, you know. But um, so that's a lot. Only now in basketball, though, it's year to year. So the coaches largely do it. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. The coaches large. So this is Lamont Paris's schedule. Now I'll say this. Uh, the George Washington game was already on the schedule. The Georgetown game Georgetown, was already on the yeah, schedule. Yeah. UAB, UAB was already on the schedule. Obviously, Clemson is. So, so some of this is Frank Martin, but uh, and the Charleston Classic, obviously. But uh, hey, it's kind of like last year, folks. I mean, the Gamecocks left the state of South Carolina once in the preseason, in the pre, in the non-conference, and that was to go to Asheville for a tournament. So Asheville's just right up the road. <laughs> uh, neutral site game in Rock Hill, uh, and then uh, obviously played at Clemson. So, you know, I I, uh, I think it's kind of similar. And and I've always been in favor, Phil, of doing the neutral site games in Greenville 
or Rock Hill or wherever. Oh, yeah. uh, mm-hmm. I, I think that's good for different folks around the state uh, that can't always get in their car and go to Columbia uh, on a Tuesday night or whatever for a basketball game. They can, they can go out and see the team. Yeah, I was excited to see one come up here to Greenville. We've seen the women play, so yeah, yeah. the guys up here. Mm-hmm. The orange fog or whatever. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> the orange fog. The orange fog. <laughs> All right, so we have to uh, get to a break and get Keith in. Keith all set from the inside of the game, or from the locked on the Gamecocks podcast. Excuse me. Um, I'm going to go uh, have a coughing fit, and uh, we'll be back after these messages. Just as your State Farm agent combines good neighbor service with surprisingly great rates, you can combine your home, auto, life, or small business insurance with Tony Pope State Farm Insurance today. And guess what you'll get? That's right, even more good neighbor service with surprisingly great rates. In fact, Tony Pope State Farm is your go-to agent anywhere in South Carolina, North Carolina, or Georgia for the service you deserve at the price you want. So try combining your home, life, auto, and or small business insurance today. Tony Pope State Farm has been in business for more than 30 years and can handle anything you need in the tri-state area. Once again, Tony Pope State Farm will help you mix and match perfectly. Call 843-851-2222 or visit TonyPope.com today. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. If you're a listener, you know I feel strongly that if you're in the upstate and are in need of real estate services, Cindy Searfoss is your go-to person. Searfoss of Caldwell Banker Kane uh, can help you with any of your realty needs right there in the upstate of South Carolina, Greenville, Spartanburg, Anderson, Oconee, uh, Pickens, wherever you are. Cindy can help you with that. She's married to a die-hard Gamecock fan, has been in the upstate for more than 35 years. Right there in my hometown of Spartanburg, Daniel Morgan Avenue. Contact Cindy, 864-414-5271 or email csearfoss, C-S-E-A-R-F-O-S-S at cbcane.com, C-B-C-A-I-N-E. That's Cindy Searfoss, a proud sponsor of the Inside the Gamecocks podcast. Check her out. We've already gotten several emails from listeners uh, that are very impressed with her professionalism and her ability to help you with your real estate needs. 864-414-5271, Cindy Searfoss of Caldwell Banker Kane. If you're looking to sell or buy multifamily property right here in South Carolina, the Burgesson team of Remax at the Lake can help you get to closing fast and easy. Adam and Derek Burgesson both are very proud Gamecocks and are more than happy to assist you with any of your commercial real estate needs all across the state. You can email Adam at aburgesson at remax.net. That's A-B-E-R-G-E-S-O-N at remax.net to get your next deal underway. The Burgesson team, proud sponsors of Inside the Gamecocks. Family vacations, a new car, a new boat, all cost money, but you don't necessarily have to make more to afford any of that if you can save cash that's flying out the window now. iHelp Consulting can help you finally get the kids to Disney World, upgrade the minivan, or drop that new boat in the water next summer. Let Daniel and iHelp Consulting consult with you. No fees, just savings. You pay them a percentage of those savings. Save on essential services, credit card fees, you name it. Let them find it. These folks are incredible. iHelpConsulting.com. How can I help you? Attention golfers of all ages and skill sets. Former Gamecock golfer Meredith Taylor will be a full-time golf instructor in the Midlands of South Carolina 
very, very soon. You want to take advantage of this opportunity. If you're like me and you got to get a whole lot better at golf, or even if you're looking to refine your swing, Meredith is the person you need to go to. She's competing in her final USGA Mid-Amateur Tournament this summer before going full-time into teaching and coaching individuals. If you're in South Carolina, Meredith will be conducting in-person golf lessons at the Country Club of Lexington. Half hour, hour, on course. She'll play 9 or 18 with you. If you're out of state, though, this is really exciting. She'll be conducting virtual lessons. You can send in your swing for her expert analysis. Also, in November, she'll launch an online course with video instruction for all ages and skill levels. Meredith has 20-plus years of knowledge, former SEC golfer, all of that. So contact her on Twitter, at Taylor at M-E-R-T-A-Y-L-O-R, or go to McKellarEnterprises.org. McKellar spelled M-C-K-E-L-L-A-R, Enterprises.org. Her email's on the website, so you can connect with her for any other questions. Go get your golf game in order. Take advantage of Meredith Taylor and her services. All right, everybody, welcome back. Are we back? We That's are. Good. Yes, great to great to be here with everybody, and uh, Keith. Great to welcome in Keith Alsup for the first time to the Inside the Gamecocks the show. He's uh, stepping into the show right now. All right, Keith. So, um, and he joins us uh, on the guest line, powered by McKellar Enterprises. So, if you want to get your golf swing straight, give Meredith a call, uh, and. Uh, so I'm, I'm going to throw the poll question at you. Who is going to lead the Gamecocks in rushing touchdowns this year? Lloyd, Bill Smith, Amos, take your pick and tell us why. Oh, boy. That's uh, a tough one. It's not It's not easy. Um, I think you could clearly – I'm just going to pick uh, Marshawn Lloyd because I think it's his breakout year. I think Christian Beale Smith has the advantage in the passing game because he's played in 44 college games. He started 23 games. They threw the ball a lot at Wake Forest. I think he's really a great third down back. Uh, but I think when you get at the goal line, you get in, you know, two backs with uh, Nate Adkins or Trey Jones at full back and give it to Marshawn and let him – Get in the end zone. Yeah, and I think certainly Marshawn's capable of that. I went with uh, I went with Marshawn. I just, uh, but you know, I, I think there is something to be said about Beal Smith. I think you know maybe Jaheim Bell. I can't see Jaheim Bell leading the team in rushing touchdowns. Maybe total touchdowns, but not rushing touchdowns. Um, and, and you know, hey, look, uh, if I'm not mistaken. Correct me if I'm wrong, guys. Marshawn doesn't have a rushing touchdown at Carolina, does he? Not in regular season play, I don't believe so. No, and if uh, – yeah. He's yeah. not playing the bowl game. So yeah. Zero so, touchdowns. DeCarrion Joyner hands him the ball at Tennessee. He, he walks in before before the play happened. <laughs> the play happened. All yeah, right, he was so, real close. <laughs> uh, and fr- Franklin makes a good point. He voted for Amos. Uh it would be a better sign if Lloyd gets the most as he'd be the starter, but Amos in the red zone with his size. Yeah, plausible. Uh, if, if, you know, the, the problem with that is uh, teams get wise to that. Like, you know, they're, oh, they're bringing Amos in, they're going to give him the ball, you know. Mm-hmm. And so you got to kind of be smart and, and all that. Well, Keith, um, your Thanks. general thoughts. 
that's what happened in the bowl game. One of those uh, failed red zone trips where you where you got to kick a field goal. They bring in Jaheim Bell and put him in the backfield, and everybody in the stadium knows he's going to get it, and he gets hit for like a seven or eight yard loss. Yeah, I remember that. One of those field goal uh, <laughs> attempts uh, in the bowl, and it's kind of uh, it's kind of a game of field goals later uh, in the day. Uh, after a lot of offense early, but uh, yeah, yeah, that's the thing. You, you got to be a little unpredictable, and I, I don't know what to make about it, Keith, because you know there were a lot of times last year. I think Carolina probably would have been better suited running it down there, and they threw it. Um, a lot of short touchdown passes, that kind of thing. So I don't know. Kind of makes me makes me wonder what we're in for. But I, I went with Lloyd as well because that that's kind of the best case scenario. I think Lloyd. Rushes for a lot of yardage and double-digit touchdowns. That's a, that's a pretty good year. Uh, all right, so, Keith, uh, talking to some different contacts around the program, the word I keep getting is excitement. Um, and uh, I think rightfully so. Uh, I think maybe some folks are sleeping on the Gamecocks a little bit. Uh, but also, based on the past 10 years, I, I don't want to make uh, – dramatic proclamation. So uh, what's kind of your, your take on it? Well, I mean, I think, look, everybody should be excited. You're undefeated right now. Everybody's undefeated. And so there's a lot of optimism, but to me, it's going to come down to these games is going to determine how good South Carolina season will be at Arkansas, at Kentucky, at Florida, and then Tennessee and Missouri at home, those five games. How many of those games can you win? Can you get enough to get to eight wins, to nine wins, or is it seven wins? Because, look, I didn't include Clemson, who I think is drastically overrated in the preseason polls. Clearly, sports information directors don't know Jack Diddley squad about college football. I think, honestly, Texas A&M's wildly overrated, but they're still better than the Gamecocks. I mean, until Jimbo Fisher isn't four-loss Jimbo, how can they be picked in the top six or seven in the country? Right? And then there's Georgia, who's the defending national champion. So I, I threw those out. So five swing games, three games that you're not going to win, and then four games you – damn well better win so you know your other your three non-con games outside of clemson and then vanderbilt so i mean to me i don't think spencer rattler came to south carolina to end up in memphis or watching shane beamer get doused with uh five gallons of mayonnaise again (laughs) well that yeah uh, and that, that actually won't happen this year because they – and this excites me a little bit, probably more so than everybody else, is uh, if the season maybe doesn't get to the win total everybody wants and you're sneaking into a minor bowl, the Vegas Bowl's on the docket this year uh, instead of the Mayonnaise Bowl. They're sending a Big Ten team to Charlotte and it's part of the new rotation. Uh, they didn't do that two years ago because of COVID. They canceled the Las Vegas Bowl. But, hey, my thing is that if you're going to go six and six, uh, and you go six and six and get to play like ASU, Arizona State in the, in the Vegas Bowl. 
uh, it's a good, nice uh, reward for the end of the year uh, for yours truly and, and, and everybody else. Um, so, so Keith, I, I want to ask you this too, uh, as far as, uh, I don't know, your, your, your thoughts about the scrimmage, all that you've sort of ingested from it. Um, you know, my big takeaway is defense was ahead of the offense and I'm happy about that. Yeah, JC. I mean, no doubt. Look, uh, defense should be ahead of offense this time of year. If your offense goes out and goes up and down the field and scores a bunch of touchdowns, that's generally not a good sign for your defense. I mean, from the folks I've talked to, I think there is a different feeling about this team. Uh, the, the scrimmage was more clean. The players now in year two know what to expect from their coaches. The coaches know what to expect from, you know, almost every player out there. You know, you got the the message board uh, mob out there that's, you know, one minute the Gamecocks are going undefeated and the next minute the world is ending because Christian Bill Smith and Marshawn Lloyd are not playing in the first scrimmage. <laughs> they have all walking boots. We're not going to win a single game. Well, look around the country. Texas, two projected starters out for the year. Clemson, one of their wide receivers out for the year, Xavier Thomas, going to miss several oh. games. All over the country, you know, every fan base is going through this. I mean, to me, the only thing I would have liked to have heard was Spencer Rattler led uh, two touchdown drives because you know those were the first two drives of the scrimmage. They were scripted, but they got in the red zone and, you know, Marcus Siderfield has really struggled in the red zone. Only 20 touchdowns and 41 red zone trips last year, 48%. And, you know, even going back to the bowl game, I think South Carolina only had one red zone touchdown. Yeah, they scored three long touchdowns, but only one red zone touchdown and three field goals. And so, you know, Spencer Rattler said they've only repped it once. To me, that should be a big point of emphasis moving forward because those games I mentioned, J.C., at Arkansas, at Florida, Tennessee, games like that, you get in the red zone and have to settle for a bunch of little field goals. Shoot. You know, you're Shoot. not going to win those games. I mean, you cannot leave four, eight, or 12 points on the board because you can't punch it in when you get in the red zone. That's true. That's That's got to be a big deal. Uh, pass rush and red zone offense uh, were the two things that uh, what I was told could have been better than, of course – you know, Beamer, though, actually said that Rattler needs to get rid of it quicker because some of those are going to be sacked. So maybe they weren't as, as tough. Uh, Jordan Birch is out right now. So uh, they need uh, they need an elite. You know, they need to be elite off the edges. And uh, from what I was told, that's kind of a work in progress right now. Uh, but I was also told unequivocally they're going to have a very good defense this season, um, which is good because hopefully the offense is uh, good with all the guys. Uh, on there, okay. Uh, the Nana's Porch chat box has a lot of love here for Keithville, so we're gonna kind of. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rodney says, Missing you, Keith. Glad you were back. I guess 
he never really went anywhere, Rodney. But uh, I know <laughs> <laughs> seeing his face on uh, on with me is pretty good and brings back mm-hmm. memories. Um, oh uh, yeah, Brandon did point out A and M. Marshawn did score at Texas A and M late. Oh, that's right. That's did. right. Okay, so I'd already stopped watching it that. <laughs> so yeah, we didn't see that one live. Minus six yards with two minutes to go in the third quarter. That was embarrassing. Uh, tough. Change the change the change it there. Of course, A uh, and M also, and and I'm kind of with you, Keith, about A and M. I'm not really buying um, a top five team right now. Uh, Austin says our D line has the potential to be elite this year. I think a big part of our struggle stopping the run were have to do with the linebackers and their lack of speed and injury. So, you know, your take on that, that's a hot topic is whose fault was the run defense last season? Well, look, I think it's a little bit on everybody. I think, honestly, you know, and I love Mike Peterson and I loved Aaron Sterling, appreciated all his contributions to Carolina football, but that's just not a guy that can really set an edge at under 250 pounds. I mean, he's barely six foot tall, 245 pounds. He's just getting mauled. But I do agree uh, with Austin, uh, which is the capital city of the great state of Texas, only about 20 miles away from me. Um, Look, you know, I love Damani Staley, but he ain't, you know, running like Deuce Staley, okay? If he, you know, to quote Joe Torrey on Bruce Benedict, if he raced a pregnant lady, he'd come in third, okay? <laughs> and, uh, you know, he could not get to the edge against Missouri. Look, this year you got Sherrod Green back. Knock on wood, if he can stay healthy. And Mo Kaba, JC, is a guy I continue to hear looks like a starting linebacker in the Southeastern Conference. If you have those two guys and you have better run support from your secondary and in the second year of your system, you have more gap integrity up front, you know, I do think this run defense should be improved. They better be improved because they just got absolutely gashed a good bit of the time last year. Georgia State had a top ten run offense last year. So did Arkansas. And Georgia's Georgia. They were, I think, thirty sixth in rushing offense. So we're gonna find out pretty quick uh, about this run defense. And and I, I don't expect the numbers to necessarily be beautiful for those first three games. Uh, but I think you'll be able to tell uh, about the improvement. Uh, you know, and and just you know, getting key stops at key times. Uh, the angles, stuff like that. And I've heard the same thing about Kaba. Kaba, Kaba there's a reason Kaba was a four-star coveted linebacker prospect and uh, out of North Carolina. Um, just like kind of Marshawn Lloyd, Keith, he's been rehabbing and kind of feeling his way, and uh, now he looks ready to have a breakout year. Yeah, I mean, no doubt. I mean, Mo Kaba, JC, you and I were actually recording a podcast when his – commitment happened and uh, it was kind of a surprise but a great surprise then he tore his ACL a senior year I was in San Antonio at the Army All-America game uh, that was you know Boogie Huntley's year he was playing there and uh, Mo Caba 
an Army All-American. He was on the sidelines with his jersey on. He couldn't play because he tore his ACL. And, uh, you know, he said in 2020 he really was not fully healthy. And then he's learning the second new defense last year. But to me, this year, you know, from his comments, he feels more comfortable. He was a Joe Morrison Award winner for the defensive MVP of the spring. I just think he is a big part of the puzzle in the run defense. Yeah, I, I, I would agree with you there. And I've been talking about it, too, here about, uh, you know, the fact that when you have a faster linebacker, sometimes you get bounced out of a gap. Sometimes you take false steps. Sometimes you don't dissect it. The faster you are, the the, the more limited those explosive plays are at linebacker because you can catch back up. Uh, so back on the Nana Sports chat line, um, and uh, Elizabeth has a question. I think uh, I'll give this to Keith because I've, I've kind of been clear about this, but uh, you go ahead with this one. Uh, Elizabeth says, how many games are you giving Satterfield before evaluating the offense? Well, I mean, Elizabeth, honestly, it doesn't matter how many games you're willing to give him, how many games I'm willing to give him, how many games Phil and JC is willing to give him. He's probably going to get 12 or 13 games. That's just how Shane Beamer operates. Um, look, I do think this year, and I know, JC, you've been hearing this as well, there's a lot more collaboration on the staff. Freddie Kitchens has been a voice that has been heard and acknowledged. Uh, Justin Stepp's voice. You know, even... Patrick DeMarco, I just think it's a much more collaborative effort. And when you have a guy like Freddie Kitchens who can be that extra set of eyes and who is called plays at the highest level, and then, good Lord, look at all the, you know, upgrades on offense. You know, Spencer Rattler, Austin Stogner, at wide receiver, Juice Wells, Corey Rucker. I just think you know, 129 starts, I think 127 starts from seven guys on your offensive line and a deep-founded running back core. I mean, it is going to be different the first couple of games. But I think by the end of September, we'll all have a good idea of what the offense is going to be like. Yeah, I was told the other day, don't uh... – don't underestimate Freddie Kitchens uh, in, with uh, the influence he has on this offense uh, in terms of being a sounding board for Marcus Satterfield and, and really sort of developing game plans and things like that. I mean, this guy's done it at the highest level. Worked for Nick Saban at LSU. Was a, he was a heck of a quarterback at Alabama back in the day. Um, you know, this guy knows ball and was a head coach in the NFL and certainly – Bruce Arians. Um, yeah, Bruce Aarons and those guys. So, really curious to see, uh, you know, and some people think, well, uh, he's this babysitter or whatever, and he's going to sit up there next to Sat. And if Sat messes up during a game, Beamer's going to pull a Spurrier and give him the, you know, but that that's that's really not kind of how, like Keith said, that's how Spurrier operated, but, but not Beamer. <laughs> uh, Spurrier came in at halftime like, oh, Coach Nix is going to call the defense second half. <laughs> All right, coach. <laughs> and it, it got better. Yeah. Keith, 
Coach Keep. Thompson, you just stand over there and rest. Don't yeah, yeah. Just, just go rest. You just will just put get give give Tyrone your headset. All right, shoot, shoot. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, so uh, recruiting Keith. Uh, obviously, things are going pretty well. Um, I think everybody's ready to get the Xavier McLeod recruitment over with. Um, in a certain in, in a number of ways, but uh, you know. I think too, sometimes in recruiting, regardless of, of what you hear out there about, Oh, this kid, there's some red flags or, and I'm, I'm not saying there's red flags on Xavier. I'm just saying some folks as a player, like just strictly related to football, aren't maybe as high on him as some other folks. Uh, and then that's fine. But I still think sometimes regardless of the varying opinions about a kid, you need to keep your four star defensive lineman in South Carolina. And you certainly don't want him to go to Georgia. So uh, I think at the end of the day, this, this could end up being a pretty big commitment for the Gamecocks, if indeed uh, things hold steady and he, and he does pick Carolina. I mean, JC, for me personally, he's my number one prospect, and I put that in quotes, prospect in the state because there's just not many guys on God's green earth that are 6'4", 325 pounds, that are 16, 17 years old, that can move and run like this cat can. I mean, he is, he has elite measurables. He's got elite uh, pursuit. He's active. He makes plays. I mean, does he need to play with better pad level? Yes, but mostly... He just stands straight up at the snap but so he can see where the ball's going, and then he just goes and gets it. <laughs> okay. Um, do big guys take plays off in high school? Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Why? Because they're not rolling six defensive tackles in the game at Camden when it's 101 degrees uh, and they're playing south points. He's playing every play. And he's probably playing snaps on offense and on special teams. So, look, to me, this is a really big deal because this is an elite so, – I mean, kind of like Devontae Wyatt. Is that his name? Devontae Wyatt? Yeah. It's a tackle from Georgia that Lance Thompson found. He committed to Carolina. Then he flipped and went to Georgia, and, well, he was a first-round draft pick. I think – uh, Xavier McLeod is more talented than him coming out of high school. And, you know, it's going to be up to, you know, South Carolina or Georgia, you know, if you believe that's who it's down to. I mean, a lot of people, JC, are going to ask the question, well, is it really over, though? I mean, or is it going to, you know, go to signing day? I don't know, but. I think a, it is. Uh, you know. deal. He's a really big deal for this recruiting class because you're going to be losing uh, an elite interior guy in Zach Pickens and Xavier McLeod's the next guy. And he grew up, you know, Sean Elliott's hometown in Camden, 30 miles away. All you got to do is jump up on I-20 and head right across to campus. So it's a really big deal to me for South Carolina to get Xavier McLeod because then you basically get the top three guys in the state that you wanted. Absolutely. Um, and, uh, you know, Monroe Freeling was a 
a guy they targeted early on, no interest there from him. Um, yeah. State at all. So, uh, and then, but that's, uh, and then I, I don't, you know, Jordan Knox, for some reason, is ranked four stars. I have no idea why. Uh, and, uh, you know, so he's ranked a little higher, but uh, just about everybody Carolina targeted, you're absolutely right. They're, they're going to get. And, you know, last year in the 2022 class, uh, Antonio Williams was a tough loss, obviously. But uh, as far as the in-state guys, I thought they did a pretty good job uh, in-state last year as well, finding guys that can play, like Nick Emanuare and Keith. Uh, uh, I mentioned this on the Big Spur, and I actually gave you credit for it because I was talking to you about Emanuare. And just kind of let our listeners know what you've been hearing about him behind the scenes. Uh, as it relates to playing some safety this year, I, I, I've heard he's an animal. That, that was a uh, that was the uh, the quote I got. I mean, I am extremely high on Nick Emanuari because he's you know comes from a football family. He's an incredibly intelligent young man. His brother plays at Wofford, which is undoubtedly the toughest school in the state to get into. He played the great high school program, Irmo High School. And JC, when he came to camp, you know, they put him some at linebacker, some at safety, and some at corner. And he's just a freak of an athlete. I think he vertical 39 inches and ran sub 4-5 in the 40. I mean, very explosive and really caught their eye when they had him out in the one-on-ones and he made an unbelievable play in a one-on-one on the sideline where he intercepted the ball. And, uh, you know, he's come in and, you know, every year it seems like since Lou Holtz left, there's been issues with depth at safety. <laughs> and uh, I think he's going to be one of the answers back there, along with a, a guy I'm going to give you credit for is DQ Smith. Uh, you really liked his film and thought he could be really good. Shane Beamer singing his praises. And then I think you're going to see David Spalding at safety some because, you know, from what I'm hearing, it's going to be Cam Smith, Marcellus Dial, and Darius Rush out there. And depending on the matchup, Cam Smith could be at nickel and could be at corner. I mean, certainly it could change when you play a, a big, stout running team and you want a bigger guy in there. But Cam Smith showed up his physicality in the spring. And so I do think this is going to allow South Carolina to have more depth in the secondary, particularly in safety. Now I'll say this too, Keith. Uh, it's uh, it, it's one of those things when, when people talk about Cam Smith and the offseason hype, I think a lot of people, it gets lost on them. He did not play in the bowl. That was Marcellus Dial and uh, Darius Rush that shut down North Carolina. <laughs> uh, Smith was out for the bowl. So that's uh, – if I'm just like not mistaken on that, right? He was he didn't play in the ball. He did not play. And yeah, so you know, at his uh, lowest output of the year. In yeah, people always ask, you know, well, why are they putting dial at corner? And I'm like, well, it's all about getting your best players on the field. And um, I think Cam playing that nickel spot can really uh, probably make some things happen. Like uh, it's like sudden, he's got a suddenness about him. I guess people say that. Uh, but anyway, Keith, we really appreciate uh, you uh, jumping on. Can you tell everybody about uh, the patronage at Lot on the Gamecock Podcast and what you guys have coming up here this week? Yeah, so the big 
thing, JC, the real uniqueness about the Locked on the Gamecocks podcast is our community. We built our community over time. You've been a big part of that. But every Tuesday night at 7 o'clock Eastern, we have a live Zoom call. Uh, we call it the Garnet and Black Town Hall because that's what it is. All voices are heard. It's very interactive. That goes on for about an hour, an hour and five minutes. And then we stop recording and we go to what we call overtime. And so the folks that are actually on the live Zoom call, they get a, a few extra tasty nuggets um, about stuff that's going on. But, you know, men and women alike, they love the Garnet and Black Town Hall. If you can't join live, no big deal. It's recorded. I put it up right after the show is over. But for the folks that can join live, it has really built a lot of friendships and, uh, you know, people look forward to seeing and hearing from and talking and having conversation, kind of like being at your neighborhood bar. Because mm-hmm. guys in there, they're eating dinner, they're having a drink, you know, and we're just talking about the thing that we love, which is the Gamecock. So I'd encourage uh, folks to join up and be a become a VIP patron. You'll love it, I guarantee it. All right, Keith Allsep, lot on the Gamecocks podcast, my former partner, uh, on there, certainly uh, enjoy our conversations as always, buddy. And thanks for jumping in here. Well, this won't be the last time. So, absolutely. Hey, Phil. Yeah, Keith. Love the dome there. Yeah, like, yeah I know. Yeah, yeah. Represent. <laughs> uh, got a, a friend of a friend of mine's dad told me a long time ago when I was a teenager, God only made a few perfect heads. He covered the rest with hair. That's right. That's right. I love your dad's adages, Keith. They're great. And I can, I can vouch for the town hall because you put one out on the worldwide Wednesday a few weeks back and loved it. Loved it. It did you, the familiarity you have with everybody. It sounds like it, it really is just a close knit group. It's a blast. Yeah, it's great. It's all a right. lot of fun. Keith all set from the game house podcast. Thanks for joining us today. And we will be back after these important messages. Hour number two coming up. If you're a listener, you know I feel strongly that if you're in the upstate and are in need of real estate services, Cindy Searfoss is your go-to person. Searfoss of Caldwell Banker Kane uh, can help you with any of your realty needs right there in the upstate of South Carolina, Greenville, Spartanburg, Anderson, Oconee, uh, Pickens, wherever you are. Cindy can help you with that. She's married to a Dyer Gamecock fan, has been in the upstate for more than 35 years. Right there in my hometown of Spartanburg, Daniel Morgan Avenue. Contact Cindy, 864-414-5271 or email ccearfoss, C-S-E-A-R-F-O-S-S at cbcane.com, C-B-C-A-I-N-E. That's Cindy Searfoss, a proud sponsor of the Inside the Gamecocks podcast. Check her out. We've already gotten several emails from listeners uh, that are very impressed with her professionalism and her ability to help you with your real estate needs. 864-414-5271, Sydney Searfoss of Caldwell Banker Kane. 
If you're looking to sell or buy multifamily property right here in South Carolina, the Burgesson team of Remax at the Lake can help you get to closing fast and easy. Adam and Derek Burgesson both are very proud Gamecocks and are more than happy to assist you with any of your commercial real estate needs all across the state. You can email Adam at aburgesson at remax.net. That's A-B-E-R-G-E-S-O-N at remax.net to get your next deal underway. The Burgesson team, proud sponsors of Inside the Gamecocks. Hey man, are you sick and tired of your business computer guy? Yes, he takes forever to call me back and doesn't always respond to the requests. Yeah, same here. I'm paying him good money. I constantly have issues and I'm worried he's not backing up my network and securing it properly. Oh, I feel that man. My head hurts, but I have a good lead on a good idea. I'm calling your boy Matthew Odom today from Heritage Digital. Heritage Digital is an IT firm that specializes in making sure your IT network runs like a dream. If you have one or 500 employees, it doesn't matter. They do it all for one monthly fee and have clients from South Carolina all the way to California. Yeah, I heard that monthly fees low too, so I don't know why I didn't even think of that. Uh, Do you have 843-699? 1001 is Matt's contact number. Yeah, man, I sure do that. Or you can go to heritagedigital.com. Man, I hear they do a no cost assessment. Boy, this will help me. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> I'm getting all that and encouraging everyone else to do the same. Heritage Digital, 843 699 1001 or heritagedigital.com, a proud sponsor of Inside the Gamecocks, the show. Family vacations, a new car, a new boat, all cost money, but you don't necessarily have to make more to afford any of that if you can save cash that's flying out the window now. iHelp Consulting can help you finally get the kids to Disney World, upgrade the minivan, or drop that new boat in the water next summer. Let Daniel and iHelp Consulting consult with you. No fees, just savings. You pay them a percentage of those savings. Save on essential services, credit card fees, you name it. Let them find it. These folks are incredible. iHelpConsulting.com. How can I help you? Let's say you need catering. You need a food truck. You just need to get some delicious food to feed some people. Nana's Porch is the place for you. I've known Chris, the owner, for years now. Uh, They helped with the Big Spur Golf Tournament. Uh, catering it. It was delicious. I highly encourage you uh, to go visit nanasporch.com. That's nanasporch.com right now uh, to take a look at their services, their menu items, everything you may need for your event, the professionalism, the food, the taste. uh, It's unrivaled uh, in this space. 336-259-7550 is the phone number. Or again, Go to nanasports.com. Uh, we talk about them all the time. They uh, sponsor the chat line here on the podcast, but uh, wanted to tell you about it right here, straight from JC. Tell them JC sent you, uh, and please support this Gamecock-owned and operated business. Also a proud sponsor of Inside the Gamecocks, the show. Have we uh, landed? Welcome back, everybody, to the second hour. Am I in? We are in. We're we're struggling, but we're here. (laughs) No, we're in. uh, uh, It's a little chilled, a little chilled, a little chilled right now. I'm like, ah. Uh, but uh, thankful for Keith for joining the first hour. Always a good conversation with him. And uh, certainly uh, those of you that have listened to Keith over the years, it's a unique. accent that he comes comes at you with and uh that's always interesting hey man you know uh great southern draw it's almost like um oh who's the dude that, that does the 
the, the Civil War stuff uh, that he died, Shelby Foot. Oh, have you ever heard like a? Have you ever seen a, what is it? Um, the Civil War, the documentary by the guy that does all oh, the documentary. Ken Burns. Ken Burns. Uh, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and Shelby Foot's like, well, these men were very, very honorable to go out and uh, fight for the Confederacy, for the state, for the homeland, and uh, you know that's not how he talks. But it's a similar type, unique voice like that. Like, it is, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I would never listen to Keith to fall asleep to because he's my friend and that's a little creepy. But <laughs> I will listen to Shelby Foote to fall asleep to, and I'm probably going to do that right after we get off the show here. Because <laughs> I took a, a flu, a Tylenol flu daytime, and I was good um, with to go with that. Okay, we're going to talk about the second half of the schedule. Uh, we're going to talk about uh, Spencer Rattler and some unfair that's out there in the national media about him. I alluded to that earlier. Uh, also, uh, time to get in on the iHelp Consulting mailbag and wanted to also say uh, thanks to the Burgess team at Remax by the Lake because they sponsor our number two here on the Inside the Game Cards show. So, there we go, uh, right there. So, uh, two ways to get into the mailbag. First and foremost, you can tweet to at the Big Spur Pod which uh, is awesome. Uh, we always love our people that, that uh, tweet to us. And, and I'll say this right now, the, the poll question, uh, it's trending about like we thought, Phil, on, on Twitter. Lloyd is at 60.4%. And the question again is, which Gamecock running back will have the most rushing touchdowns in 2022? Bill Smith, 21.8. Amos, 2.5. And uh, our guy here on the chat line actually said Amos. I went with Amos. Mm-hmm. And then Juju McDowell or other 15.3. Uh, percent right there and uh, on the big spur those numbers are tracking similarly okay i'm going to give something away too before we get to the i help consulting mailbag we we Um, did have a question yesterday i forgot about we we had a question i just never got to it so shows you (laughs) you know here i'm like uh, on death's door i guess with this viral whatever illness i've got right now and uh i remembered i'm remembering all kinds of things that's how it works you know when i'm not when i'm feeling fine i tend to forget um so, so here's the question, and uh, and this is only for Nana's Porch chat line, uh, and we'll say this. Uh, okay. South Carolina has been to the Outback Bowl more than any other bowl. Five appearances. What is the number two destination in terms of frequency uh, in Gamecock Bowl games? Uh, and the first person to answer will get the magnet. <laughs> on the, the sports chat line. Okay. Um, and uh, I'll go back and see if somebody needs to answer. Ooh. Clint got Clint it. Clint got Ooh. it right out. The gate. The gator. Uh, and I tried to stump some some people with that. And it was like, because Carolina had been to the gator since 1987, but they played <laughs> in the first one in 46. And then the 80s boy, Jacksonville, was a, a pretty popular trip for South Carolina. They played it in 80. 84, which I still can't freaking believe that team was in the Gator Bowl, but that's neither here nor there. There's a story behind that. Uh, and then um, 87, of course, was that uh, Phil may have been one of the most talented teams in program history. I mean, you look at the players that were on the 87 game, Cox Sterling Sharp, oh, Harold yeah. Lee, Todd Ellis, Ryan Bethay, Brad Edwards on defense. Uh, they took Miami to the wire. I was actually at that game in the Orange Bowl. Uh, but they played in the Gator Bowl and lost LSU pretty badly. Tommy Hodson and Wendell Davis. Um, so, uh, 
Way to go, Clint. Uh, and if you will send Phil your address, we will mail you the inside of the game packs, the show magnet. And I'll, I'll mail you another little uh, prize too. I got, to, I got some other door prizes to give uh, away, by the way, we're going to be giving away some prizes, uh, you know, for with uh, the mental keys to the game segment uh, and all that stuff. Craig says he was at the 87 Gator Bowl. Um, yeah, that was a massive. If you go look at it on YouTube, it's a massive crowd. I remember watching it uh, on TV. Uh, Lute says, I got roasted for that JC misinterpretation on McLeod on TVS. Well, no, you didn't misinterpret it. I didn't say... I think I should have explained myself better, really. And I saw that yesterday. I actually know who your what your username is now. <laughs> I won't repeat it. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, but uh, I saw that and I felt bad because I think that was my fault. Uh, so my bad on that. Uh, I apologize uh, uh, for that. Big Slamma Jamma. Uh, this is a good topical question from the Nanosports mm-hmm. channel. Phil and JC, what's one official tradition? i.e. Gamecock Walk 2001, you would like to see added to the Carolina Game Day experience. What would you like to see approved upon, if anything? I don't know. Well, neither. You know, I was just sitting here thinking, like, because I was reading that during Keith's, you know, uh, uh, portion of the show. But I don't know if I would add anything, JC. I think, you know, that access during the Gamecock Walk is just – you know, you're so close right there with the players. It's just so intense. And, uh, I mean, there's nothing like 2001, man. <laughs> you know, don't, go, really, yeah. you know, don't fix it if it ain't broken, you know. <laughs> I, uh, yeah, and I, I try to think of uh, maybe some little things they could do, but they, they, they do do these things every now and then, like uh, former Letterman maybe forming the tunnel uh, out of Williams, uh, Williams yeah. Price for 2001, things like that. And it'll be interesting to see if they adapt the new LED lights and ribbons into that and what that presentation will look like this year. Yes, and I think it's, it's gonna look um, it's gonna look excellent, uh, I think, um, when you talk about uh, all that stuff and the sound system too, I've heard is night and day better. Thank you. Thank you, Mark. Yeah. Thank you to the sound system because it was allowed, like I said, I almost I think my head almost exploded. I was at a spring game one year and uh uh, the, 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 what, you know, the crowd was emptying out. I think, uh, I think Connor Mitch was taking snaps. It was Muschamp's first spring game. And all of a sudden I heard this Connor Mitch. And I'm like, ah, it scared me. So, um, Brandon adds that they played South Carolina played in the hall of fame bowl, which turned into the Outback bowl. Yes. That, that game went from Birmingham to Tampa in the early nineties. Um, uh, technically, um, you know, and then there's the tangerine bowl Carolina's played in. Lost to Miami of Ohio <laughs> in the 70s. Yeah, Carolina has lost in bowl games too. UConn, Miami of Ohio, Indiana, and Wake Forest. That's a powerhouse, that's a powerhouse lineup there, right? Yeah. But in but in bowl, but in bowls, they've also beaten Michigan. Michigan, right. Yeah. Uh, more than once. Ohio State more than once. Mm-hmm. Miami, uh, Wisconsin. And Nebraska in bowl games. So go figure. <laughs> I mean, yeah, go figure that one. So uh, thanks, Clint, for being a winner today. We love winners. Again, maybe give me a day to get this in the mail to you. Uh, <laughs> I'm under the radar completely right now, under the weather completely right now. 
Um, thank you so much. Oh yeah, Smith. Oh wow, that's incredible. Actually, I just got Clint's email. Like we we are literally neighbors. <laughs> really? uh, yeah, that's funny. Yeah, that, that's right. I, I know where Ardmore is. Get <laughs> at your house, dude. We were um, cool. All right. So inside the gamecast at gmail.com, tweet to at the Big Spur Pod to get in on the iHelp Consulting Mailbag. Once again, our number two, Xavier McLeod has changed his time to 6 30. All right. Is he just be, trolling us at this point, I man? <laughs> fast asleep by then. But now uh, I feel good about the chances there. I really do. I really, really do. So, um, <laughs> so so here we go so the uh, i help consulting mailbag uh you tweet at the vicksburg i've told you this uh, many times i'm repeating myself now so uh sawyer nicks had tweeted in all this other stuff i need to find where the mentions are i can't find them but anyway so we'll go right to the inbox um so we have uh mitchell and <laughs> that was his question from yesterday uh Morrison comes in. Uh, Joe, sure. Okay. Joe yeah. says, I'm going to the Kentucky game this year. And I've got to thinking about how opposing fans treat Gamecock fans when they come to their house. I've heard various stories of bad fans and good fans across the SEC. I'm curious what you guys think. Which SEC fans are more likely to be welcoming? Which ones are more confrontational? Thanks for starting the Daily Show. You guys are doing a great job. Thanks, Joe. Oh, uh, you, you know, Kentucky, I mean, the only two times I've ever had anybody get in my face at a road Carolina game, well, there was that one year at Georgia. <laughs> um, uh, somebody got like some dude with a with a dome uh, that had a bulldog painted on top of it, uh, some kid. Like, I'm coming out in the porta potty. I'm having a great day, you know, hanging with my Georgia fan friends and, and my Carolina friends and stuff. It's a great day. I think it's like 05. This dude, I can't stand for somebody to get like right close to my ear and yell. That just pisses me off. And he did it. And he went, cock. <laughs> and I was like, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I was like, ah, oh. but uh, the two places I've been where fans have literally talked smack. Like, uh, and I, walk, I was walking out of the stadium with my, my, my former wife, you know, wasn't going to let anybody talk crap to her. Was it Vanderbilt and Kentucky? Uh, Kentucky was after that game where Savelle Newton threw the backwards pass, right? And then the Gamecocks mm-hmm. won at the end uh, in, uh, I guess it was 06. And then Vandy was when the, the one time they won in 08. Wow. <laughs> and, and, you know, walking back to the, the parking garage there at Vandy and the dang frat boys at Vandy are just over the moon. <laughs> you know, something that only happens like, you know, four times in a quarter century, Vanderbilt beat South Carolina football. But, uh, they were really rude. Now, a friend of mine got hit in the face with a ham sandwich at LSU. He's a Georgia fan, though. Um, so LSU <laughs> can get a little bit raucous, right? They, yeah. they can get a little raucous because they will they will throw a ham sandwich at you in a heartbeat at LSU. Uh, oh, yeah, it was a ham sandwich. I'm like, can it not be a po' boy? Can I? <laughs> <laughs> Some remoulade sauce on that. That's right. Yeah. Ham doesn't oh, make any sense there. I'll eat that, you know, but mm-hmm. ham and all that. So, anyway, uh, certainly appreciate that. I help consulting mailbag. When I, when during the break, I'll figure out um, how to, uh, how to pull up the screen I need to pull up to get the uh, tweets uh, off there. Nana Sports chat line rolls on. So, Phil, let's talk about the second 
half of the season. And I felt bad. Uh, all this sickness um, around the house, it's been tough. <laughs> uh, I got it today, but uh, that kind of prevented me from doing, um, you know, the, the sorry, the Tito's and chicken on Sunday. Uh, and we were going to go through the second half of the schedule, so we're going to go through it uh, right now. Uh, and that second half of the schedule, I think, starts with the Aggies of Texas A&M. Yep, A&M. Uh, Get them at home. I'm going to say this. You know, Gamecocks probably – there's no Gamecock fan on earth that believes Carolina is going to win that game <laughs> just because it, it's been seven years and nothing's happened in that series for the Gamecocks, which is weird because, uh, you know, I, I keep telling folks, I mean, Mississippi State and Texas A&M mm-hmm. I think are even – since they, they came in the league. I mean, it's not like they've been this impenetrable force of a football team, you know, since the Gamecocks have been playing manually. The matchups usually suck, and Jimbo Fisher has owned the Gamecocks uh, since uh, the 2010 Beach Bowl when Florida State beat the Gamecocks. Uh, that was the Lattimore injury game. Um, but I think if you're going to get them, this year is 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 a good time, and, and I'll tell you why, because it sets up, you know, they have Alabama. Obviously, you've read a bunch about that ballgame. <laughs> and obviously, they're going to be super fired up uh, to go in there and play uh, the Crimson Tide. And then uh, that's the same week the Gamecocks play at Kentucky. And then you come back, you got a week, an open date, Gamecocks, this coaching staff last year, and I hope that, that this turns around this year in terms of, Oh, they always need an open date to do better. I, I didn't really buy that, but you can't deny the fact that after the open date, they had some of their biggest wins or after some time off. Um, so you got the open date. They're coming to Columbia. I think the chances of Texas A&M treating South Carolina like a huge road game, even if the Gamecocks are having a special season, it's slim. Yeah, slim. I, it's just because they dominated. And, and, you know, of course you're not going to take them. You know, take them seriously, right? But uh, so I, I think if the Gamecocks can play good defense and stop the run, don't let them run all over you and play extremely physical um, and execute on offense, that the Gamecocks could win the ball game. Uh, although I think it will be close right down to the wire. Uh, if the Gamecocks do not take care of business and they do not play well, A&M is good enough to win the game uh, uh, for the eighth, eighth straight year or whatever. Yeah. Um, so those are my scenarios with A&M. And in sound fashion, too, it's like you just, yeah, I, I like the whole, the way the schedule kind of stacks up there. It's their third road game, even though they've got a bye week in between it uh, in a row. And I, like you, I think, you know, they could just easily, you know, just sleep on us. <laughs> Let's hope they do, you know, and just aren't as prepared as they should be. But um, the extra week to prepare is going to help. Yeah, those of you, uh, A&M and Mississippi State, five and five since the Aggies joined the, the SEC. So there you go. How about that? Um, so that, so that's the deal there. And, and so A&M to me, uh, you know, like I said, it's probably one of the games I would chalk up as, as not one that they're going to win. However, when you look at it, uh, and I keep harping on this, guys, this year, this year is an opportunity. Next year, they're going to have to do a little building and plugging and, Counting on some guys that haven't played this year. They're an old football team. They're a talented football team. You're experienced football team, that kind of thing. So uh, this year, so there's your deal. Missouri. Um, 
gosh, I don't remember if it was Brad Crawford or, or Michael Bratton, but said Missouri's a must win. Mm-hmm. I agree. Uh, of all these losing streaks, I think the Missouri one is the worst just because of how it's kind of gone down uh, with regards to, you know, weird plays, uh, bad defenses at Missouri dominating Gamecock offenses, uh, the Luke Doty game during the pandemic. It's just weird. Uh, and, and Eli Drinkwitz on top of that came into Columbia and beat at, beat the Gamecocks with App State in 2019. I think the Gamecocks take out a lot of frustration on Missouri. I, I tend to agree with Bratton about people maybe sleeping on them a little bit and just assuming, you know, sixth place in the 17th division. Uh, they could surprise some people and get back to a bowl this year, but I just don't think uh, Phil coming to Columbia um, with years of, I mean, I agree with whoever said the Gamecocks cannot lose that ball game. No, no. Yeah. It, that's, that's definitely a must win. If you want to, if you want your regular season schedule to be better than it was last year to show improvement in wins, you have to win this game. I mean, yeah. it's one you just cannot drop, uh, Need to wipe that smug look off a of drink with his face. <laughs> it's going to make us all feel better. <laughs> but, uh, you know, and it's like, it's one that, you know, Keith had pulled out, I think, too, is like you, and, and it was interesting about the Keith games that he said, if you win three of those games, which is more than doable, then you're almost a lot to be better than you were last year. Yeah, absolutely. I agree uh, with you there. Um, so moving on, <laughs> this is one I think a lot of folks around the football building are all of a sudden more excited about than maybe they were. And that's uh, well, no, sorry, <laughs> I assumed you know what they say when you assume, Phil, you make an ass uh-huh. out of you and me. Uh, a trip back to my former hometown of Nashville, uh, to play Vanderbilt last time the Gamecocks went up there. It's been sort of weird because 2018 they go up there and there's a big lightning delay and Gamecocks win. I think by the end of the game, Carolina had more fans. And then 2020, Nashville was locked down. So that was the only place in the league that had no fans. No fans. Yeah. It was just bizarre, dude. And like, you know, Kevin Harris ran all over and the Gamecocks won 41 to 7 is one of the largest margins of victory on the road in the history of uh, Carolina football in the SEC. And then last year happened, and that was very scary. With the crap scared uh, out of you, right? And, uh, it was not a good game. It was there was no excuse for how that game went down. Uh, thank God, Zeb Nolan and Xavier Leggett, Josh Van, all those guys got rallied. Uh, Zach Pickens saved that game. If you guys remember, those that don't think Zach Pickens is good, you know he saved the game. <laughs> um, you know he does need to be more consistent. Like I said, so. I, I would not worry so much about what happened last year with this one. Uh, I, I think because of what happened last year, uh, and you're coming off two what, what should be two really big home games with AM and Missouri, I think Shane Beamer will have their attention. Uh, I'd be remiss to say, though, that if you were looking at the schedule and you go, well, they got AM, Missouri, and then at Vandy, squeezed in there, then at Florida, and then Tennessee, and then at Clemson. You know, one of these things is not like the other, right? <laughs> and uh, it's called so, looking ahead to the orange. Uh, plus, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I'll say this about Vandy they're not going to come into the game scared. I mean, no. they're not going to come in that game respecting South Carolina after they gave it away last year. Um, I think if South Carolina goes up, runs the ball, stops the run, 
and they had trouble doing that because they Mandy threw a, uh, a change up at them and started their dual threat guy. Um, I think Carolina will win and have another big win in Nashville. And, you know, there'll be nothing but Gamecock fans there at the end. But I, I think if you go up there and screw around, uh, this is a game that could cost you a lot, you know, and, and I'll just leave it at that because they're in year two, they're going to have incremental improvement just like anybody. Now, is that going to be good enough in a stacked SEC uh, with an SEC East that clearly has, you know, a lot of quality teams with some question marks in the middle? Uh, is Vandy quite one? Is Vandy even Missouri right now? No, I don't think so. But they're going to get better, just like everybody else. They did win two or three games, I think they won two last year. I almost won't beat the Gamecocks. Uh, you don't want to be Vandy's victim. This season. No. Yeah. You, you don't uh, want to be their first, you know, conference win. And yeah. <laughs> I, I think they'll get somebody. I mean, I think I think they'll end up breaking that streak against somebody. But, you know, I look at their shoot. I look at their schedule. Uh, they play in week zero. They play at Hawaii. That's pretty nice. Looking uh, forward to watching that. <laughs> I say Elon Wake Forest at home at Northern Illinois. Could Vandy start 4-0? I think they could. Mm-hmm. Uh, they could also start one and three. <laughs> Wait, I'll give them the Elon game, but Northern Illinois is pretty good. And Hawaii out there it could be tricky. And then the end of September at Bama. Yeah, the harsh reality set in. <laughs> and then Ole Miss comes in. And then at Georgia. <laughs> and then at Missouri. And then the Gamecocks. So maybe they get Missouri in week eight and uh, I'll pull it off. You know, Florida, uh, I. I'm going to say this, don't, because, you you know, it's easy for me to say, and for a lot of other people to say, Phil, about Florida. Okay, first two games are going to tell you how they're going to be all season. Uh, And then if they lose those two and then struggle with South Florida and Jeff Scott's in his third year down there, they got a new OC, um, and they're one and two going to Rocky Top and they get the doors blown off of them, it's going to be easy to sit there and write, uh, Billy Napier's obituary in Gainesville. Well, I would caution against that. Yeah, I, I think you're correct in that. I, they're not going to, you know, just fall apart like they did yeah. against us last year. Napier's not going to let that happen. Yeah, and, and so they got Missouri, Eastern Washington, Missouri coming into the swamp, LSU, uh, which has a lot of talent, but uh, who knows what Brian Kelly's going to do this year. Then it's at Georgia, at A&M. Then the Gamecocks come to the swamp. Then at Vandy and at Florida State. So four of Florida's I – mean, South Carolina's the only November home game uh, for Florida. Of course, the neutral site game against Georgia. I don't know why I just said at Georgia like a moron. <laughs> oh, man. So It should uh, be at Georgia. <laughs> yeah, it should play there, you know. But look, be home and home. <laughs> you know, I, I would just encourage everybody to just don't – you know, they Utah beats them, Kentucky beats them. That's not going to surprise anybody, but don't write their obituary. And it's a long time from September 3rd till November 12th. And so I think can South Carolina go and get what, what is it there? Maybe like their third win in the swamp all time. Uh, yes, I do. In November, I think by then anything could be happening with those two teams. But I also think that, uh, it's not one – I would just caution everybody, it's not one where the first two ball games are going to say, all right, automatic victory for the Gamecocks. Uh, we all thought that about Tennessee last year if they lost a pit at home. 
Yeah. Come to find out, Pitt's a pretty good football team. And come to find out, Tennessee's a pretty good football team. So that's it with that. Uh, Tennessee, uh, same key, same keys I've always had, Phil. Uh, you got to win that one on offense, and you, you got to keep their offense off the field. Uh, yeah. and, and you've got to counter when they score quick, you know, because they they I anticipate them being a lot like they were last year. They're going to attack, 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 mm-hmm. and try to get a couple touchdowns early, get some momentum. And if you don't seize it back, you can find yourself down thirty five nothing quickly. Yeah, and I think one of the least surprising things I've heard coming out of any of this preseason stuff was Tennessee's first scrimmage that their offense did well. I was like, yeah, no, you don't say. Tennessee, <laughs> think about this too, Phil. What, what have I been saying about uh, about that? I think that could, you know, Tennessee's defense was not very good last year. No, and that gave me hope too. I was like, good. I'm glad to hear that. <laughs> and they, uh, and they, they've gotten. I mean, they've they've lost players and haven't mm. really. I mean, so. Uh, there may be a lot of high-scoring games up on Rocky Top this year. Uh, and my, all my Tennessee friends will probably appreciate that better than, like, the rock-throwing contest during the, the Jeremy Pruitt era that was so frustrating. Um, and, and so then Clemson, up at Clemson, I, you know, like I'm, I'm never conceding any games, right? Uh, mm-hmm. I, I think we'll see how Clemson's defense is. Is, is it elite, like Georgia-level elite last year, um, which was a historical defense? Uh, or is it just a very good defense? And then how far will their offense take them? I mean, they just they don't have the T. Higgins and, and and the Justin Ross before he got hurt, and Trevor Lawrence, obviously, and Travis Etienne. You can go back in the, you know, go back in Mike Williams, you know, whoever. They've got good players. I think Adam Randall is going to be a superstar for them. The kid from Myrtle Beach. I think Antonio Williams will be good. I think they've got some good young talent. But you just don't get the sense that they're planning on you know scoring 70 a game this year <laughs> up, at, uh, up in Death Valley so uh, I think if Carolina can match their defense and get some breaks which I mean turnovers and good field position you know you, you never know you hit a double move on a corner and uh, Juice Wells is gone you know out he's out uh, you know out, you know he's, he's done so I do think that uh you know, I don't think you need to concede that game just right no. now. But I do think South Carolina is going to have to play a lot better than it has against Clemson, really, with the exception of one half on offense uh, in, in 2018. I mean, they've just played awful against yeah. those guys. They haven't had an inspiring game. I mean, it's basically the last three ones in Columbia have been like the same game. It's the same game. Yep. 34-10, 38-3. Three runs. Yeah. So that's the deal there. So wanted to break down that part of the schedule just uh, in case those of you that missed it on Tito's and Chicken. I will make it up uh, to Evan and get back on Tito's and Chicken at some point because I am uh, I'm a big fan of their podcast and uh, what all they do there. All right, we're trying to do for a break. Final break of the show again. Uh, this hour is brought to you by the Burgesson team at Real Max at the Lake for all your commercial real estate needs. Uh, hit them up. Uh, and yeah, we'll be back after these messages. 
If you're looking to sell or buy multifamily property right here in South Carolina, the Burgess and team of Remax at the Lake can help you get to closing fast and easy. Adam and Derek Burgesson both are very proud Gamecocks and are more than happy to assist you with any of your commercial real estate needs all across the state. You can email Adam at aburgesson at remax.net. That's A-B-E-R-G-E-S-O-N at remax.net to get your next deal underway. The Burgesson team, proud sponsors of Inside the Game. Attention golfers of all ages and skill sets. Former Gamecock golfer Meredith Taylor will be a full-time golf instructor in the Midlands of South Carolina very, very soon. You want to take advantage of this opportunity. If you're like me and you got to get a whole lot better at golf, or even if you're looking to refine your swing, Meredith is the person you need to go to. She's competing in her final USGA Mid-Amateur Tournament this summer before going full-time into teaching and coaching individuals. If you're in South Carolina, Meredith will be conducting in-person golf lessons at the Country Club of Lexington. Half hour, hour, on course. She'll play 9 or 18 with you. If you're out of state, though, this is really exciting. She'll be conducting virtual lessons. You can send in your swing for her expert analysis. Also, in November, she'll launch an online course with video instruction for all ages and skill levels. Meredith has 20-plus years of knowledge, former SEC golfer, all of that. So contact her on Twitter, at Taylor at M-E-R-T-A-Y-L-O-R, or go to McKellarEnterprises.org. McKellar is spelled M-C-K-E-L-L-A-R, Enterprises.org. Her email is on the website, so you can connect with her for any other questions. Go get your golf game in order. Take advantage of Meredith Taylor and her services. Family vacations, a new car, a new boat, all cost money, but you don't necessarily have to make more to afford any of that if you can save cash that's flying out the window now. iHelp Consulting can help you finally get the kids to Disney World, upgrade the minivan, or drop that new boat in the water next summer. Let Daniel and iHelp Consulting consult with you. No fees, just savings. You pay them a percentage of those savings. Save on essential services, credit card fees, you name it. Let them find it. These folks are incredible. iHelpConsulting.com. How can I help you? Let's say you need catering. You need a food truck. You just need to get some delicious food to feed some people. Nana's Porch is the place for you. I've known Chris, the owner, for years now. Uh, They helped with the Big Spur Golf Tournament. Uh, catering it. It was delicious. I highly encourage you uh, to go visit nanasporch.com. That's nanasporch.com right now uh, to take a look at their services, their menu items, everything you may need for your event, the professionalism, the food, the taste. uh, It's unrivaled uh, in this space. 336-259-7550 is the phone number. Or again, Go to nanasports.com. Uh, we talk about them all the time. They uh, sponsor the chat line here on the podcast, but uh, wanted to tell you about it right here, straight from JC. Tell them JC sent you, uh, and please support this Gamecock-owned and operated business. Also a proud sponsor of Inside the Gamecocks, the show. Hey, man, are you sick and tired of your business computer guy? Yes, he takes forever to call me back and doesn't always respond to the requests. Yeah, same here. I'm paying him good money. I constantly have issues, and I'm worried he's not backing up my network and securing it properly. Oh, I feel that, man. My head hurts, but I have a good lead on a good idea. I'm calling your boy Matthew Odom today from Heritage Digital. Heritage Digital is an IT firm that specializes in making sure your IT network runs like a dream. If you have one or 500 employees, it doesn't matter. They do it all for one monthly fee and have clients from South Carolina all the way to California. 
God, I heard that monthly fees low too. So I don't know why I didn't even think of that. Uh, do you have 843-699-1001 as Matt's contact number? Yeah, man, I sure do that. Or you can go to heritagedigital.com. Man, I hear they do a no-cost assessment. Boy, this will help me. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> I'm getting on that and encouraging everyone else to do the same. Heritage Digital, 843-699-1001 or heritagedigital.com, a proud sponsor of Inside the Gamecocks, the show. Welcome back. Welcome back. We're back into the show, final half hour of the show once again. Uh, thanks to the REMAX team, uh, the purchasing team at REMAX Bubble Lake for sponsoring this hour uh, and all our sponsors, you know, it's uh, it's it's pretty awesome. Um, so back to the Nana's Porch chat line, chat box, if you will. And they got some tweets to read and, and all that good stuff. And um, I'll talk about Rattler here at the end. Um, so Smith Williams mentioned the, the Gator Bowl where the game cast got blown out by Pitt. That was a bad one. I think, wasn't Dan Marino and Tony Dorsett on that team? And that was uh, George Rogers. Gamecock team. Uh, that was the year he won the Heisman. Um, you know, uh, Mimi says, what is a U.S. destination that would be great for a bowl game that's currently not? They, they've kind of gotten all my ideas. Uh, I would like to see multiple bowl games in Vegas like they have in um, in uh, freaking uh, Orlando. You know, I think Vegas is yeah. a fun spot, but you know, even like uh, unless you wanted to move it uh, out of the country, but uh, that, that's problematic these days. Uh, you know, I mean, I I don't know Chicago maybe, uh, but that, the problem is in Chicago, it's it, nobody wants to even go outside. No, it, yeah, it's it, freezing cold. Over. You know, so you could, you could have the they call it the the Wrigley Bowl, play it at Wrigley. You know. Phil, Phil, get behind that. Yeah, I'll go see that. I'd go yeah. watch that. Although, I don't know. They've played football in Wrigley before, and I don't think – yeah, it's dangerous. It was north, it was, <laughs> There's yeah, a brick wall behind those vines. It was, it was north, <laughs> yeah, Northwestern, and they were all complaining. So, uh, so yeah, in Chicago, like Milwaukee, would you could you play it at the Brewers Stadium? It looks like a spaceship. <laughs> Lambeau. I mean, I'm trying to think of places that uh, people actually care about going. Now, I'll say this. Uh, the Athletic talked about – having bowl games in the summer. Uh, and some of these places uh, during the summer are pretty cool. Like we have a, a game at Lambeau in the summer. It's nice weather. It's not mm -hmm. freezing. Minneapolis, nice in the summer. You know, the Midwest is pretty nice in the summer. So um, that's that's the deal there. Uh, I think at some point they're going to put a bowl in Austin, Texas. Um, and that, that, that city is very popular and probably someplace people would like to go. Um, yeah, that's uh, they've used them all up. Like, I, I thought the Bahamas Bowl was a great idea, right? Oh, yeah, mm -hmm. and it was. And lo and behold, they haven't. Yeah, uh, says chants and fight songs are not quite like they used to be. It's like half the crowd doesn't know what to say. Um, and, and I'll say something that I think is underrated about Carolina, and it started during Spurrier, but uh, you noticed it uh, on some video when Carolina beat Georgia in 2019 in Athens, right? The the way the crowd, when you like, let's say you're opposite from the Carolina section and, and they play the alma mater, uh, and then these legions of Carolina fans do the, the toast. That looks kind of cool because you, if you're not a Carolina person, you're kind of looking going, like, What the hell are they doing? Yeah, right. That's kind of awesome. They just toasted on our field, you know. 
that kind of thing. Um, and, and I kind of like that, you know, the alma mater, Forever to the E, all that good stuff. Uh, Daryl said he won tickets to the 84 Gator Bowl and then corrected and said, oh, it's 87. <laughs> um, that's that LSU game. The Carolina played Oklahoma. They Game guys were close in 84. Uh, Jimmy Johnson, who was coaching Oklahoma State at the Oklahoma, time, I believe yeah. won that game. Now, maybe I'm wrong, but I think so. Uh, VJ says it would be good to have the cheerleader chants mic'd up so you could hear what they're doing outside of the student section. Agreed. USC. Go. Mimi says Kentucky fans are horrible. A&M are the friendliest. VJ says hype music. My understanding is the DJ is coming back to williams Rice this year. So, VJ, you'll have a DJ, right? Rodney's laughing. Smith goes, those Kentucky and Georgia fans can be a little over the top. Understandable from UGA folks, but weird from UK people. Craig says, throw gator bites at me all you want. Yeah, down mm-hmm. Louisiana, I'll, I'll eat some gator bites. <laughs> Not for Dickie, though. <laughs> um, uh, uh, Brandon says, Vandy was pretty good in 2012. We were lucky to beat them in that season opener at Vandy. Yeah, 17-13 late. Um, that's why – that's another example of why I never give up on play or I try not to give up on players. Right. Hmm. And I may say something like, well, anything they can get out of him is a bonus. You never know. Uh, if I don't think the guys, you know, can cover a bucket of water or can hit the broad side of a barn or whatever. Dylan Thompson in that game, I, I was there. I was living in Nashville. My buddy Jerry and I went, cause it was a Thursday night, right? The return of Marcus Lattimore and James Franklin was at Vandy. So he was fired up. And James Franklin had spoke at our convention earlier uh, that summer. So I was kind of nervous that, you know, he was, he, he, was, he was very confident. But uh, so Connor gets hurt in that game. And Connor, Connor was kind of, Connor Shaw was kind of banged up that whole year, right? Um, and Dylan Thompson comes in and looks like the backup quarterback from the movie Necessary Roughness. <laughs> Remember, like Scott Bakula got hurt. Right, yeah, came in and just like dropped back and fell down. Mm-hmm. That's how Dylan looked, right? In that game, Dylan didn't play a whole lot since since that point. Um, and then up at Clemson, the end of the year, you hear oh, Shaw's out. And uh, I remember I was texting with uh, somebody that was on Spurrier staff uh, at the time that was uh, at another school, and he was like, you know, their school played Clemson and got beat pretty good, and was like. Clemson will win by three touchdowns. It's too, there's too much offense that they have. And I'm like, oh, that's cool. And then lo and behold, the Gamecocks <laughs> uh, held the ball. That was the – I mean, that was a that was a battle. Clemson thought they were going to beat him, and then Dylan played. So, so look at how much better Dylan was then than he was against Vandy. Uh, and I think Lattimore ran a long touchdown and put the game away at the end. But, man, that was, that was a scary game, scary game. Um, VJ says, uh, I don't know if it was 2012, but I'll never forget the look on Jay Cutler's face when they went into multiple overtimes versus Florida and the refs kept robbing them of game deciding calls. Yeah. Cutler played 04, 05. So that was the urban. I think it was urban Myers first year. Florida had a, uh, Florida had a lot of close games first two years under urban. Um, and I remember that Belmont. I remember Jay Cutler. <laughs> Uh, Elizabeth, who should know, says UK has great fans. Love watching games there. I've never, you know, like I said, that one time, and that guy was probably intoxicated, I would guess. Um, Clint says it would be cold, but Montana would be a scenic bowl destination. Uh, a few hearty Clemson friends of mine back in 01, 22 years ago, went to the bowl in Boise. They had a great time, man. They're like skiing and 
skiing and skiing. <laughs> uh, yeah, Marcus, I remember that Marcus fumble. I didn't think it was a fumble, but I was, you know, what do I know? I wasn't watching the replay. I was there. Evan says, I'll be going to Texas A&M at Willie B, the scale of one to ten. How hard do I need to pregame to enjoy this game? Any chance I want to remember it? Uh, one to ten, I Crank it up to nine, Evan. Yeah, man. They need it. <laughs> yeah, crack that bad boy up. And, and I'll say this about AM fans. They are really nice people. Um, you got now they're they're not a what you'd call a normal bunch. <laughs> that, that very pol- yeah, politically you know, correct way to put know, that. Um, like like that guy that called Clemson a cult the other day. I mean, I, I think some folks say the same thing about the Aggies. It's, it's a little different now. And then it's like my friends from Texas always say, you're either an Aggie or you're not an Aggie, period. <laughs> you're either an Aggie or you're not. Gig them. Woo-hoo. Male cheerleaders, all that good stuff. <laughs> yeah. Interesting. I don't know. The, the woo-hoo. Do they do that midnight thing or what? Yeah. There you go. <laughs> the midnight yell practice. Yeah. <laughs> um, Mimi says, um, but yeah, turn it up, Evan, big time. That's right. Early and often, man. <laughs> Mimi says, uh, Montana will be an awesome bowl destination. I think so, but where are you going to play it? Now, the state, last I checked, the state of Montana is growing. Uh, like some of my friends in California, they're pretty much sick of California. So they're uh, they're looking at they're moving places like Wyoming and Idaho, and <laughs> where there's just no no people at all. There's nobody, right? Yeah, yeah. And so Montana, there's some some cities in Montana that are actually growing. Uh, and of course, everybody loves to go on, on vacation out there. Um, and Seattle, they did have a bowl. They played it at Safeco Field, which was cool. Uh, I remember one year, Phil, Georgia Tech got the invite out there. And everybody's like, why is Georgia Tech going to Seattle? And then you, you turn on TV and it's a sea of black and gold. Yeah. <laughs> and you're like, what the hell? You know, they, these guys can't even fill up their own stadium. And they, they, they got 12,000 at the Seattle Bowl. They want to go there, yeah. Well, it, it's because the, you know, tons of Georgia Tech grads end up going and working in Seattle, technology, all that good stuff. Mm-hmm. So Georgia Tech actually is a tech school, unlike Virginia Tech and, you know, some of these places that are basically state universities, and that's it. Uh, so does Chicago have a bowl? No. I'd call it the Portillo's Beef Sandwich Bowl. Portillo's beef sandwich bowl. Yes. Give me a beef, a beer, and some college football. <laughs> beef and beer, Polish sausage, Maxwell Street Polish. Anyway, uh, Clint says the state of Montana has about 1.4 million people. Very low population for a state that big. Trout fishing there is on the bucket list for me. Uh, had a good friend. I hadn't heard from him in a while, but had a good friend that. Uh, Probably call him my former friend at this point, but uh, he uh, he used to go out there every summer. Said it was beautiful. Said went out there with his family and uh, would just fish and all that good stuff. I'd be scared I'd get eaten by a bear. (laughs) Everybody's like, that's so disappointing, JC. We thought you were a little braver than that. No, I'm not. Actually, I'm a big coward when it comes to when it comes to fighting a grizzly bear. I'm not a big coward. But now they have they have bear spray uh, and all that good stuff. Uh, all right, so that's it. Nana Sports chat line rolls on. Appreciate all you guys uh, listening uh, to the uh, show today. I know I'm <laughs> trying to get through it as best I can. Yeah, we're struggling today, uh, y'all. Well, yeah. I'll, I'll say this too. I think 
tomorrow may be another challenging day, but I'm just going to kind of rest up, right? Uh, uh, and the poll, we asked the poll question today, Marshawn Lloyd, 60%, Christian Bill Smith, 30%, Juju, 6%, Amos, 2 Jaheim Bell, 2 other none. That's from the Big Spur uh, looking at the, uh, you know, the, the, the Twitter, right? <laughs> oh, and I can't pull it up now, so anyway. Um, yeah, here we go. I'll pull this up, Phil. Uh, yeah, Lloyd, Lloyd at 59, Bill Smith at 23. McDowell and other are up around 14. So Juju has a little more momentum, you know, on Twitter than, than maybe on the website. So we'll see. Grover says uh, the Internet is the worst thing to ever happen to our fan base. Probably. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I, I like the, I mean, I, I have a love hate relationship with the internet. Now, if you want to talk about Twitter, I'll, I'll jump on that bandwagon right now. I'll say that's mm. the worst thing that maybe has ever happened to the world. Because people, it, and look, it, people, people don't realize this. I'm living in like message board land, uh, online community land for like five good years before Twitter was even a thing. Right. Mm. And, you know, you, you just have to watch it because you can have board meltdowns and you can have this, that, and the other. you got to kind of police it and keep people happy. And it's a virtual sports bar. Well, Twitter is not – I mean, Twitter is just insane. <laughs> we don't need this level of connection. No. And, and we also – it's like Alice through the looking glass, not real life. It's not real life. Yeah, that's the thing is it's not the connection that you actually want it to be because it's it's not real. It's not real. It's, oh, it's not real. Oh, my gosh. It's not real. Oh, but, uh, no, I think uh, it's like, you know, did you drink a little drink me bottle and then go down the Twitter tunnel <laughs> chasing the white rabbit? I mean, what 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 the hell? Are you, I mean, you know, some, and some people, too, by the way. Oh, my God. Don't, don't tell them Twitter's not real. You know, <laughs> it kind of reminds me of the, the South Park where they said slash, slash isn't real, right? Okay. <laughs> slash for Guns and Roses. Yes. And they started to explain it, and they're like, uh, as the Germans call him, Gunter Slash. <laughs> and uh, it was funny. So, you know, like, you mean Slash isn't real? <laughs> <laughs> so, you mean Twitter isn't real? But anyway, uh, thanks for that, Grover. Gamecock Pastor says, we love Gamecock Pastor, right? Tight end is a seemingly loaded group with the ports of Nate Atkins being the best blocker on the team. I don't know about the best blocker on the team. I think he's awfully good. He's probably the best guy at that type of spot. Not yeah, that's what I heard. Best at the position group. Yeah, and, you know, probably, uh, probably since DeMarco that they've had uh, there. He's a nasty kid. I mean, he's, he's, he's going to knock somebody's, you know, what off. Uh, how do you see Sat utilizing potentially four tight ends if we throw Kenyon in there? I think you're going to see some 13 personnel, but also I think they're going to move Jaheim Bell around a bunch. You know, I don't I don't see – I see primarily Stogner and Kenyon sort of being the tight ends, and then uh, you have uh, Atkins as kind of a blocker type, uh, along with DJ Twitty, who's kind of a fullback type, and then I think Bell just moves all over. Yeah, and if you were going short yardage and put all four of them in there, you know Bell's going to be in the backfield. Oh, yeah. <laughs> It'll be good. So, uh, But, yeah, this tight end room looks uh, really good. you got to replace some next year. It's looking good. He says, I think Brattler's potentially the number two quarterback in the SEC behind Bryce Young. Who else do you really like in terms of quarterbacks in the SEC? Can I talk about who I don't like? <laughs> 
Yeah, because on your process of elimination, we'll get to somebody in this game. <laughs> now, I, Hooker from Tennessee is a player. I watch a lot of Virginia Tech games and stuff, and I, I never understood Justin Fuente's hesitance with him. I was like, why did you go get this kid out of the portal from California? Hooker's a better quarterback. You were lucky to land him. Uh, and then lo and behold, I, I don't know what, if, if Hooker just doesn't practice well, Keith, or what, because Tennessee's starting Joe Milton, <coughs> excuse me, at the beginning of last year. And um, Hooker took over and he saw the season he had. So I like him a lot. Um I like old Max Johnson. That's gonna probably hold, hold off Haynes King at A and M. I I thought he kind of was much much better than than Miles Brennan, uh, who was at LSU. Who, by the way, gave up the game the other day. That's not a big surprise to me. Nope. Um, and uh, so so I like Max Johnson quite a bit at A and M. Uh, I like that kid Mike Wright at Vandy that started against Carolina last year and ran all over him. Not a big Levis guy. Uh, Anthony Richardson to me has a lot to prove, but he can get there. He's certainly, a big question mark. Yeah, certainly is talented. And 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 when I talk about the Rattler situation too, I think some of this narrative, and, and I promise I'll dig more into this tomorrow as we're running out. And I keep promising I'm going to talk about it. Some of this narrative around him is profoundly unfair, and it also kind of shows—I don't want to say laziness, Phil, but hey, Spencer Rattler's at South Carolina now. Why are you just assuming? Okay, that they don't have any players. Yeah. Well, why are you just assuming? Oh, he's gonna have to carry the team. You know what? Why? You know. Uh, all right, so it yeah, doesn't make any sense. Yeah, yeah. Know. It's like well, they have, they just have Gene Bell and Josh Van. I mean, I saw a pretty respectable preseason uh, analysis. It was like, and they put the uh, the wide receivers in the SEC in tears, and Carolina was just like, pray. I was like, dude. I, Pray, pray. <laughs> they, they, they flip the room. I mean, yeah, if they get some injuries and stuff, yeah. I mean, it was that that room was an issue last year, but I think they've done. Oh, and even great. then, you know, JC, with what we've got return, I think the returning guys that we have are going to be a bit more surprising to us under this offense with Spencer. Because here's the deal: you had nine separate people throwing passes last year. <laughs> you know, yeah, I mean, yeah. I what are you looking for? <laughs> uh, the South Carolina Iron Wolf off Twitter, the Black Wolf. He says mm-hmm. this is a tough one. I mean, all of the above. Hell, I don't know. So. Awesome. The Black Wolf. <laughs> uh, and Alex uh, chimes in. He says, uh, Bill Smith will lay Lattimore on the goal line during his spring game score. Got low and found daylight. Yes, he did. Mm-hmm. Uh, and all that good stuff. So that's all. Uh, everything off the tweet line. Uh, and that probably will wrap up the show today, Phil. How about that? That sounds good to me, sir. We, we made it. We, a rest. Made it. Oh, no. we made yeah. it. Um, <laughs> thanks to all of our sponsors for all of you on the Nana Sports chat line. Who do we who do we have tomorrow as a guest? Who, who's coming in? Who, uh, oh, Jamie, uh, right? Oh, Bradford, yeah, yeah. yeah. Jamie's JB. coming on tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's JB on. Uh, it's JB Wednesday, right? You know, and I know we're gonna have some some other guys on later this week. I think Chris Phillips is gonna join us again on Friday. Yeah, he'll be um, with us Friday and uh, Whittle next Monday, right? Yeah, Whittle's on Monday, and we'll see if we can't. Uh, oh, and Meredith will be Friday uh, afternoon. Yeah, yeah mm-hmm. that's good. I'll, get, uh, I'll be feeling better by the time Meredith comes in and all that. But sorry, folks, about uh, the lack of a morning monologue today. It's, it's, you know, because school started, because everybody's sick, I had to go to the doctor. I just, I just didn't get to it. I probably 
just to be honest, will not. Uh, if I'm going to cut something, I'm going to cut that. But I'm going to be here come hell or high water. I promise you on that. For Phil Mullinax, this is J.C. Sherbert. This has been Inside the Gamecocks, the show. We appreciate you listening. As always, you can catch it in podcast format on iTunes and Spotify here within the hour. Thank you so much for listening and have a wonderful Tuesday. Holla at you soon.